Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Justin and Alexis Black about what it means to redefine normal in relation to love, happiness, family, and success. Justin and Alexis Black, welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be here today. Definitely. Yeah, it's great to have you back. I'm trying to remember the last time you were on, um, maybe six months ago or so. And it's fun. Yeah, it's fun to to have the opportunity to get back together and and really continue the conversation. Today, we're going to be focusing on really the topic of your book and your recent um, new workbook to go along with that book, Redefining Normal. And I wanted to zoom in and talk about the definitions and the applications of how we go about uh, really improving love, happiness, family, and success in our lives. Uh, As we get started, I wanted to share Justin and Alexis's bio with everybody. Justin and Alexis are author, speakers, and business owners. Together, they've created the Scholarship Expert and the Rose Empowerment Group to support hundreds of young people. Now, with their new venture, Redefining Normal, they hope to continue the conversation on healthy relationships, mental health, and healing. Uh, Is there anything else you would like to add by way of your background before we launch on in? Nah, I think that's, that's pretty good. Thank you for the introduction and, uh, and you know, just introducing us. I think that's, uh, that was a pretty good, you know, what we do and uh, redefining normal, um, being business owners and uh, turning this in, this book into a business is a lot of who we are and uh, what, the work we do now. So, yeah, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. We are both actually also recent graduates. We both went to Western Michigan University, hence this shirt. And um, we are also married, and uh, because of that, we wrote our book um, as a way to get closer together before we got married, and it's just kind of taken off and more or less a movement. Yeah, that's that's wonderful, and congratulations on graduation, congratulations on the book success, all of that's uh, excellent. Uh, and at, maybe as we get started, um, you can frame out for us what it means to you to redefine normal, generally speaking? And then, you know, really, what does it mean to you to redefine normal in relation to love, happiness, family, and success? Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. A lot about uh, the concept of that redefining normal uh, idea largely stems from really identifying what is your normal for a lot of people. You know, uh, a lot. Everybody has a normal, pretty much. Uh, every single individual has a normal based on your family, community, society. So, with uh, with us in our situation, being from the child welfare system, coming from that, um, experiencing a lot of trauma in our family and a lot of things being passed down, we had to identify what was healthy and unhealthy in our lives individually before even coming together. 
of you know what was our normal what have we been desensitized what trauma have we been desensitized to and how can we identify that and work to do better in our lives and for those around us in the, the next generation. So trying to be as intentional about that as possible is, is kind of how we went about redefining our normal and starts with awareness. And I think that with this business and with this book, starting the conversation, that's what we always want to just start with and help people uh, do is just start with awareness and being aware of things you can be intentional about as far as your growth and development outside of the expectations, un unrealistic uh, negative expectations of society a lot of times and some things that were passed down that becomes normal in our lives generationally that we just go along with because we're comfortable instead of challenging ourselves to do better in our lives. Yeah, yeah, I think we all we all have to do that. And we all have uh, past traumas and, and challenges and difficulties that we've faced, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to varying degrees. Um, and ultimately, we we have to choose how we're going to respond to those challenges. And that, of course, is in relation to our personal lives, our, our family, our friends, our, our local community, people we interact with. But it also means in the workplace, uh, we need to be able to also recognize perhaps some of the workplace trauma we've experienced, maybe we've experienced bullying behaviors or, or discrimination uh, or harassment or, or other things like that, uh, a hostile work environment. Um, those sorts of things also tend to stick with people. Uh, mm -hmm. And unless you can work through them and, and really understand how they're impacting you, uh, what's gonna end up happening more often than not is those you'll carry that baggage with you into your next job. So even if you get out of a toxic environment and you move to a new workplace, um, you know, some of those things that you've experienced often will come with you mm -hmm. and that then shapes the way you interact with your new team and your new boss and, uh, and the new organization. And so all of these things are, are really important that we, we try to better understand and, and tackle. Um, and it starts with just self-reflection, self-understanding, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of where it starts. And also just with as it relates to the workplace and building, so many people really think about or focus on building uh, structures to where people can be successful. That's usually a lot of times what good leadership is. But uh, one of the things we focus on with our company and business is just the communication aspect. And a lot of us, uh, where it's a different relationships of family, friends, co-workers, a lot of us are used to communicating in a certain way and understanding as leaders in certain spaces, whether it's a company or a job or wherever a space you're in, understanding how to communicate with certain individuals, uh, adjusting your style of leadership for certain groups, and just being adaptable to different environments and, and scenarios. And I think that's huge when um, thinking about the workplace and leadership, especially when it comes to communication. So that aspect is, is something that I think a lot of leaders and, and companies and workplaces need to really focus on. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, that's something we, we definitely try to communicate. And we do have an internship program that we started. Um, we generally try to target students who have no experience so that we can provide them with some skills and things to build them up, even if it's not staying with us, it's you know supporting them moving forward. And I've had probably, 10 internships and so many jobs and I've left 
several of them because of the bad management. And a lot of times individuals leave the jobs that they have because of those bad management and the leadership of those organizations. So I take what it is that that worked and didn't work for me and what felt toxic and unhealthy in situations. And I try to bring that knowledge into our work pre- our workplace of what works and have that open dialogue and communication. Cause we have had even our interns where they may do something interesting. And I'm like, that's gotta be a trauma response or that's gotta be a way that they are reacting to something. And so I say, you know, can we have a conversation about that? Not even necessarily having you dive into maybe what that is, but um, how can we go about it in a more professional way or dealing with it in a way that won't be as harmful to them moving forward into other positions? Because I see different habits and tendencies that could hold people back moving forward as they try to move move up into different organizations or move around. And so it's it's having that open dialogue and conversations and it's being willing to. I think a lot of management and individuals aren't willing to have difficult conversations. It's just easier to pass them off or let them go or whatever it may be versus, you know, let's actually have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my experience too. I, I think part of it is people just are, it's uncomfortable. People don't have this, the skills on how to manage uh, and facilitate that kind of a challenging conversation. And so inevitably what ends up happening is a lot of times they just don't happen at all. And, and you come up with some other reason to, um, to get rid of the person or, or whatever. And, and it's really the organization. It's unfortunate and it's the organization's loss when that happens. The, the, the reality is, as we already mentioned, we all have those things. Like we've all had trauma and we've all had challenging things that will shape, you know, how we interact with people around us. And, and we all have different triggers, you know, different things mm-hmm. that will, will uh, impact us negatively. And, and so we have to be, you know, kind and gracious and, and forgiving and generous with those around us. And if I'm a leader and I see someone act up, you know, my first inclination, you know, might be uh, to, you know, bring the hammer down and, and kind of go to that hard love kind of discipline approach. And, and maybe that's necessary, depending on what happens. But uh, a lot of times, if you can just sit down and listen and say, hey, you know, this is what I just noticed, what happened? Um, and, and try to have that conversation and try to help them unpack what they're, uh, you know, what the trigger was and, and how they responded and help them understand maybe a better way to respond and help them to, to recognize, you know, make perhaps a different way that they could um, perceive the, the interaction or the intentions of the people they, they were interacting with when they were triggered. All mm-hmm. of those types of things, you know, will help us kind of reframe re, uh, and shift and, and uh, have a new understanding as we redefine uh, our normal. And again, I, I, I like the, the premise of the book. And I like um, the focus of your work on redefining that normal, recognizing that we don't have to be stuck in the way things were in the past, right? Mm-hmm. We, we all get, um, we, we all tend to fall into our patterns. And, and we like the comfort of our patterns, even when they're unhealthy <laughs> patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we tend to perpetuate them unless something mm-hmm. disrupts it. And, mm-hmm. and, and so hopefully we can choose to disrupt it ourselves and not wait for some external, you know, horrible thing to happen <laughs> that kind mm-hmm. of forces us to do so. But if we can be proactive about it ourselves and, and try to address those things and, and redefine what a healthy life looks like for us, what a healthy work life, what healthy work relationships look like, what, you know, 
healthy interpersonal relationship at home look like? If I, if I can um, focus on that and be proactive about it up front, then, then I can sidestep a lot of the heartache and pain that, that mm-hmm. inevitably will end up occurring. Exactly. Yeah, you said it perfectly. I love that. Yeah. And so we all tend to fall in this trap again and again and again. Um, so what are some of the things you talk about in your book and in your new workbook in relation to how we can, uh, how we can better um, define love, happiness, family, and success in a more healthy way and really apply that to our daily life? I think in order for you to figure out how you would want to redefine what that is, you need to figure out what the original definition was and who created that for you. And oftentimes, as Justin mentioned previously, uh, all of these definitions of love, family, community, and the way that we are valued, the the way we see ourselves in the world around us, that comes from our parents and maybe even our community and whatever that whatever that is, whatever that looks like for you and, um, and where maybe you grew up, but uh, you have to understand the root of that. And that also goes back to what, even when we were writing the book, initially the, the entire book was just going to be about healthy relationships, because that was something that we were never exposed to. We're like, we're getting married. What do we do now of, if we, we don't even know what healthy marriage and relationships look like, how do we move forward in that together? But in order for us to understand what informed our definition and our understanding of what healthy in a relationship looks like, we have to look back at the root of, well, how do we see and view love and who gave us love? Who, um, you know, who do we watch receive and give love? And that informed our definition of what that looks like. And so it really came back to the root of what it is of all the discussions that we talked about and that all those different, uh, say, stimuli or, um, you know, information that we take in of those, um, those processes, that's just going to inform how you move forward Mm -hmm. and operate in the world around you. And that means in your personal, professional, intimate relationships, all of the above, that's how you're going to operate. And so for us, it really goes back to figuring out what is the root of that? What is the definition of that, that you've created in your life? And is that the narrative that you want to uphold moving forward? And so in that workbook, we break it down in the exact way that we broke down the book of going through the process with us of understanding if you did go through trauma, which most people have, at least 70% of Americans have, and with COVID, it's everybody. (laughs) Or if it's not trauma, it's you've gone through something significant that has shaped who you are today. And so understanding what that is and was that positive or was that negative? And how does that look now as, say, as a teen or as an adult that has in some way shaped you? So it's working through maybe what that was and then how you um, asking really deep questions of what does that look like moving forward? What is the narrative that you want to have moving forward to create the life that you want to live? And so for us, it was a lot of deep dive, a lot of therapy, a lot of conversations that were very uncomfortable. But if we don't do that work, then as you mentioned, it is going to seep out and bleed into other areas of our lives if we're not intentional on that. Mm-hmm. Because every relationship dictates the next three to four generations. So if we're not intentional, then when we choose to have kids and when they have kids, our behaviors and our habits are going to be passed down for several generations if we're not intentional about that right now. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. 
Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, so so understanding our definition of love, for example, uh, so important. How about happiness? Um, that That's a real interesting thing to me because there are, for example, there are these, these global um, indices and surveys that come out, the happiness report and mm -hmm. the world value survey um, that, that looks at people's life satisfaction and some of these sorts of things. And, and, you know, so we can kind of compare across countries, generally across societies, um, how happy people say they are. Now, there, there, there's a lot of nuance there in terms of how they define their own happiness. But what's interesting to me is that, you know, we have um, areas of the world where they, you know, self-reported really low levels of happiness and other places where people seem to be very happy. And it doesn't uh, necessarily seem to correlate with external um, environment. So, you know, wow. you could have fairly impoverished countries where the happiness level is very high <laughs> you can have very wealthy countries where the happiness level is pretty low so um why is it important for us to redefine what happiness means to us what's perhaps wrong with the some of the common ways we frame happiness say in, in western culture in in the u.s for example Mm -hmm. Well, oftentimes in Western culture, and we've traveled to over 30 countries, and what we've seen time and time again is that uh, it's like the more we do, the more we have, the more we consume, the happier we'll be. And it's, you know, it always comes down to if I have more, then I'll be happier. If I make more, I'll be happier. And it's always that more aspect. Whereas I see a lot of times in other cultures of, you know, maybe if you don't have as much, or you become content with what it is that you do have. There's a lot more happiness that you have that you will that you will have moving forward because you have learned to be happy with what it is that you have in front of you versus always consuming and wanting more. And then with media and ads and all of these things that tell you that you have less and you are less and you will always be less if you don't have more and consume more or you know, make more money, whatever it is. So societally it is told you um, through ads and marketing and, you know, looking around you and then com constantly the comparison trap, all those sorts of things. It's, it's just going to always have that narrative versus we, what we see all the time when we travel is, I mean, I remember I was in India and I was in some of the worst slums I've ever seen yet. Some of the happiest kids and community, like I could have imagined. And that to me was, it was really contradictory of how could you be so happy right now? But it's in my circumstance right now, what do I have control over? What do I have 
uh, I can control my joy. I can control what it is that's in front of me versus, you know, in Western culture of the constant consumption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. And I, you know, I, I wonder about just the complexity and the busyness and, mm-hmm. you know, what, I, I think success, our definition of success often, you know, overlaps a lot with our definition of happiness. Mm-hmm. And I think both of those often are, we are kind of unhealthy. Like we have unhealthy framings <laughs> for mm-hmm. what makes us happy or what success means or looked like. And I look at um, those both here and abroad that seem to just mm-hmm. really be the most content, the most happy. They're the ones that are the most mindful. They're the ones that tend to simplify their life. Uh, they're not as hectic. Uh, you know, there's, there's a big reason why minimalism is a really growing trend as mm-hmm. people try to shed the, themselves of material, you know, excessive material possessions and, and just mm-hmm. simplify their life. You know, I think about all those things. And then I think about some of these other um, societies around the world where people just seem to have happiness and contentment and they don't have much. And the, the truth is you just don't need much. And I think about, you know, when I'm traveling, for example, um, I don't know how you travel, you know, in terms of your luggage, but I tend to travel pretty light. And I find that, you know what, lo and behold, I can, I can be out of the country for two or three weeks at a time with just one little suitcase uh, with only, you know, the, the essentials and I'm fine. <laughs> I don't need all the, all the other crap uh, that I, that I lug around with me, you know, that I have at my house, for example. And so we, we tend to, to bog ourselves down and that influences the way we frame the world and our happiness and expectations and what success means for us. Does success mean we have to get that next promotion or that next pay raise or that, that new job or the bigger house or the new car or whatever. And, if it does, I think we're going to perpetually find ourselves in a state of dissatisfaction uh, and discontentment. And it, it, it doesn't need to be that way. I, I also, I couldn't help but, you know, kind of chuckle to myself as you were describing. And as I was thinking about some of my own experiences, you know, we're now into the Christmas season. How many like cheesy romantic Christmas um, movies are there about people leaving the big city life and going, moving to like the, the countryside and then mm-hmm. finding, finding love and just like the simple life and finding true happiness. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the common stereotype and trope. Um, but there's truth to it, <laughs> uh, when, when you have a chance to slow down. So with all of this said, mm-hmm. um, now let's apply this in the workplace. What does this mean, you know, in terms of how we frame employee satisfaction, for example, how we, uh, how we, how we uh, frame uh, success in our careers, success in our current job. Um, and, and how as leaders, can I help my people have more healthy framings so that they can have clear, more reasonable expectations and find more joy in what they do on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when you think about uh, expectations, happiness and all that, you have to really focus on the foundation of it. And for leaders, for employees and getting into your career, focus in on if foundationally, is this something that I want to do? Is it something that's good for me? When you think about expectations, uh, think about have my setting realistic expectations for myself? Am I setting expectations that like, I'm going to work myself into the ground? Am I setting expectations where I need to work to reach a certain level of happiness? And I love this concept because, I mean, I, I've had a podcast episode on our podcast, uh, Rose from Concrete, 
where we I talked about um, the cost of happiness. How hard do I need to work to be happy? How much do I need to be happy? Is there a dollar amount? Is there a certain amount of work? Is there a certain amount of satisfaction? And it's basically just asking that question. And I think about before you even start your career, before you start in the workplace, uh, have a, a, a sense of togetherness where you are who you are, you're together, you're content, you're happy. And those milestones that you reach, those promotions, the as you make that progress, it's only contributing to your well-being and, and your ability to give to others, but not as much as uh, determining your happiness or not. You need to predetermine before you get into these positions, into these roles, to tell yourself that no matter good or bad, if I get fired tomorrow, you know, it won't dictate how I feel about myself and my self-worthiness. I see a lot of employees, um, including myself, when you know, a lot of times when I'm working for people or work, was working for people, saying that, oh, um, I didn't get this or they didn't acknowledge me in this way or I didn't get this promotion or whatever. And now I feel some type of way about who I am and who I am as a person because they didn't acknowledge me or give me this promotion or this dollar amount or whatever the situation may be. So separating your work performance uh, from your self-esteem and your identity and who you are, as I think is extremely important and understanding that once I do achieve success in the workplace, that doesn't take away or contribute to who I am as a person and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, very well said. Well, Justin and Alexis, it has been a real pleasure. The time has flown by. I know mm -hmm. I only have you for a few more minutes, but before we close today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your current work, your books, uh, all of all the good things that you're doing, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah, absolutely. So feel free to connect with us on Facebook. Uh, it's Redefining Normal Movement. We are on TikTok and Instagram, so it's free.definingnormal. Email us info at re-definingnormal.com. We are doing bookings for speaking engagements, workshops, kind of you name it. Um, any and everybody, we talk to them. We are traveling probably six months out of the year <laughs> next year. It's insane. We just left for three weeks, gone for another two weeks starting tomorrow. So it's it's insane. But uh, we would love to stay connected and just constantly continue the conversations on all the things that we talked about, plus many more topics that you can see on our website, which is in the works of being updated. So don't ding us for that. It is, it is in the works. But, <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah, um, I think that's pretty much it. And um, closing words. Closing words. Um, <laughs> the closing word uh, that has been in my heart lately is a dream like you are a kid again. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times the expectations of the world, of other people, uh, our role in society, our responsibilities kind of takes us further and further away from our dream and our idea. You know, when you were a kid, you thought you could like jump from building to building, you know, do some incredible things and you can be anything you want to be or do whatever you want to do as far as your career and your life. And as we, you know, have bills and things and responsibilities that kind of like, all right, I can't do that. I can't dream like that or think like that. But always make time to write, to dream. If you want to be a movie director, maybe write some, you know, movies on the side or, you know, whatever you need to do, just continue to dream and, and think um, outside of your role and responsibilities in life. So thank you both. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Justin and Alexis can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. They can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.
the alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.